Well, we've been getting emails and from people all over the country. Uh, we just this morning got one alleging that there were 1,400 dead people uh, voting in Michigan. Uh, we've begun checking at the first 10 people we looked up, in fact, were dead and did vote quite successfully. Uh, and so we're now going through the whole list of 1,400. Uh, we've had all sorts of, of strange things happening. Uh, from a Georgia perspective, uh, Savannah magically finds 15,000 votes. You can talk all you want to about what they finally did in Philadelphia several days after they had a court order insisting that they do it. But in, in Fulton County, Georgia, for example, they were blocking people from coming as observers. Uh, in some parts of the country, they actually were putting up... Uh, covers of the windows so you couldn't even look in. And we keep getting reports from a variety of citizens, including in Philadelphia, of uh, allegations that are at, least at, at, at a minimum have to be thoroughly looked at before you can say that this election is over. For example, in Philadelphia, they had one dump of 23,000 ballots. This is from uh, 538, which is hardly a pro-Trump organization. But they reported 23,000 ballots, zero for Trump. Now, it's very hard. I mean, in Zimbabwe, in Venezuela, in Cuba, you might get the, in China, you might get these results. There are very few places I know in American history. For those of us who are skeptical, and we're watching, by the way, as the Internet giants are literally cutting people off. Rush Limbaugh yesterday had four out of six tweets that were cut off. Crow. The plot thickens in the election fraud controversy, possible election fraud, alleged election fraud. However, you may want to word things, whatever words you may choose to use, it's shit's getting real. Um, that was Newt Gingrich talking just there on uh, TatumReport.com. Tatum is spelled T-A-T-U-M. TatumReport.com. If you want to look at some more of that information. Uh, I'm going to take you through some of the uh, lawsuits filed by Ye Trump campaign, and oh, gee willikers, by gosh, by golly, it's time for mistletoe and holly and a vaccine. The president that didn't have a plan to deal with the, the coronavirus, cut through red tape, cut through government bureaucracy with a, a plan called Operation Warp Speed, and Pfizer has come up with a COVID-19, hopefully we can say that on YouTube now, vaccine. And they've been given $1.9 billion to put this into production, and hopefully, before year's end, this can get out to the public, because if uh, it takes till after January 20th, uh, Biden will screw the pooch on this. Trump has everything in place and has had it in place to get this vaccine out 
as soon as possible. More on that later, film at 11. Uh, let me do this here. Gotta minimize something. Alright. Only source I could get that wasn't really biased, in my opinion, to, to rattle off some things to you. Uh, well, let me get uh, this out of the way. Uh, on, on YouTube, you know, like, share, and subscribe. This is Panic Attack with Big John. This is on Facebook for the time being, Big John's conservative op-ed page. And on mama, me, mama, uh, Twitter, it's at the real underscore Big John. And on Parlor, it is the real Big John, all one word. Uh, okay, so I, I wanted to search out how many and what they were uh, lawsuits that Trump has filed. And I found this television station, I think it's in Florida, uh, 13 W-H-A-M, wham, 13 wham. So the report goes, this is uh, Washington, D.C. via St. Clair Broadcast Group. Trump campaign has promised to unveil a raft of lawsuits this week alleging uh, voter fraud and irregularities affected the outcome of the election in battleground states. Uh, so far, I know he's filed lawsuits in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Nevada. On Monday afternoon, members of the Trump campaign announced two new lawsuits in Pennsylvania and Michigan, relying mostly on witnesses, sworn statements, but no concrete evidence. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McEnany asked the public for patience while the campaign investigates further. Yeah, she really uh, came out and lambasted the media at this press conference. They took no questions, but Kayleigh was very adamant that uh, the people, the American people, Trump supporters, and the Trump campaign are asking the questions that the media should be asking. And she uh, lambasted the media as the lovely Kaylee always does uh, at not doing their job. Back to the article. This election is not over, McEnany said to, or McEnany told reporters Monday. We've only begun the process of obtaining, obtaining accurate and honest vote count. Despite the lack of evidence, President Donald Trump and members of his legal team have made serious accusations of irregularities so sweeping that they could overturn the projections of Vice President Joe Biden as the winner. The claims come from months of the come after months of the president telling supporters that the only way he would lose is massive fraud in or the but yeah, the Biden selection by the crooked media is based on unlawful votes in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Nevada. Trump attorney, former New York lawyer Rudy Giuliani, wrote in a tweet, "We will prove it all." 
the tweet was flagged by Twitter. Uh, it says, uh, what it, the tweet I'm looking at right now, it reads everything that I just said, read to you, but at the bottom there's an exclamation point in a circle. It says, this claim about election fraud is disputed. Twitter censorship. You know, you know girls can post porn, porn, and try to lure you into their OnlyFans pay, OnlyFans websites, OnlyFans website on Twitter. They can post naked pictures of themselves, and oh, you'll see even more if you go to OnlyFans and pay me nine ninety nine a month. Come, come on! But you know, Rudy Giuliani can't post uh, an allegation about election fraud without it getting flagged. Jack Dorsey looks like he worships the devil anyways. So far, the majority of lawsuits filed by the Trump campaign have not openly alleged voter fraud. Most challenge the process of tabulating votes or questions of the legitimacy of late arriving ballots. Others implicate fraud or irregularities by arguing that GOP election observers, observers, pardon my accent, not observers, were kept from closely monitoring the count. Now, I remember back in float in, in <laughs> 1920,000, in the year 2000, uh, in Florida, you had observers had to bang on doors and dang near break into count rooms in Florida and uh, Dade and Broward counties and they were actually from Ohio I met a lot of them uh, and they had to fight to get into these count rooms because you had you know seven or nine Democrats that were going to sit there and count the ballots and decide the winner of Florida and the guys had to beat down the doors to get into the room uh, it was called like the ninth floor Republican riot or something like that uh, because it was like the ninth floor of some uh, government building in uh, Florida. It might have been the seventh floor or something, but that's what it was called, the Republican riot. And it was like 10 or 20 Republicans from the Ohio uh, Republican Party, you know, that were flowing down there to be part of Bush's. Uh, recount team and when they got there they found out that uh, they were it there was no one else and there was no plan and so they had to go out and start uh, buying uh, you know video cameras back then we didn't have cell phone videos uh, but they had to you know run out and buy you know like tape recorders and microphones and all these things to uh, document their uh, fight to get the Florida recount straight. And the damnedest thing was in an election audit many, a few years later, many years later, I don't know, however you want to count many and few, if Al Gore had recounted the entire state of Florida, he would have won Florida. But he chose the heaviest Democrat counties to ask for a recount in and then they recounted the recount, and they re-recounted the re-recount, and the recount, and, uh, you know, 
But if he would have asked for an audit of the entire state, he would have won. And that's why Trump is smart in this. He's at, they're suing for, you know, recounts, I, I believe, statewide. And if not, they need to be asking for statewide audits. Uh, we have proof that dead people voted in this election. I don't know why these articles keep saying there's no hard evidence. You just listen to Newt Gingrich say they have looked up and found deceased people voting. And in an election this tight, 1,400 deceased people voting. Along with <clears throat> other ballots that maybe should have been thrown out. Like the signature didn't match or they had no signature. Or they were just flat out um, made up and marked for Joe Biden with no traceable record of who marked the ballots. That 1,400 plus, you know, I don't know, five, we'll just make up numbers. 5,000 over here from uh, phony absentee ballots and then just straight up about another 10,000 or 2,000 ballots that were just, you know, people in a room with a, uh, ink pen marking ballots for Biden, Biden, Biden. You know, funny thing is, if you go into a voting booth and you're any kind of voter, you're going to vote what's called down ticket. They found many, many ballots where the only name colored in on the Scantron ballots is Joe Biden. Okay? No matter what, I mean... Even if you're just an anti-Trump voter, you know, I can see a few thousand ballots being done this way. But in areas where Biden needed the votes, like Philly, and where they could justify a lot of votes for Biden, um, you have just Joe Biden's name filled in on the ballot and nobody on the rest of the ballot. Don't really jive, dude. It. I don't know if Trump can get enough of these uh, ballots thrown out, but I think a hand recount needs to be done in all five of these states, and it needs to be done immediately. Uh, and not just that, but an audit also to see uh, how many of these people that say voted in Nevada had actually moved out of state. I've heard there's a lot of that going on in Nevada. 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 Los, Los, Los Vegas. I wonder how many of the girls at the Bunny Ranch. The girl, I want to, that's the poll I want to see. How many girls at the Bunny Ranch voted Biden or Trump? I don't know why that thought just crossed my warped little mind, but. Moving on, moving right along, uh, Pfizer has come up with a vaccine. Trump said there'd be a vaccine by the end of the year, and Dr. Fauci said, yeah, I didn't know about that. You know, poor little Doc Fauci, I, you know, he's, 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 a, he's like a little elf. He just want to pinch his little cheeky cheeks. You know, the poor man's been in Washington for like 50 years. 
And he's just like so happy to finally be relevant. And people finally give a shit about who Anthony Fauci is. Now, if they would have gave a shit 20 years ago when Operation Dark Winter happened and uh, all of this, all of these things that are playing out right now, they did a, a pandemic scenario after the 9-11 terror attacks. And it was uh, a biological attack of smallpox, but all the utter confusion... Uh, that we see now, uh, right down to the rioting in the streets, which, uh, you know, yeah, they can say it was over George Floyd and left-wing instigators and various things, but, you know, there have been protests, somewhat peaceful, not quite as violent as the, the left-wing riots, but conservatives have protested in, you know, Michigan, Columbus, Ohio, other places, uh, because they're sick of being cooped up in their houses and having their lives and businesses destroyed by these uh, overzealous uh, lockdown mandates. But, you know, everything from, you know, the confusion between the state and federal government as to who's responsible for who's what's it, uh, this was all played out in this uh, thing called Operation Dark Winter. And it's about to be solved by Donald Trump. Amazing. The guy came up in a matter of weeks with a plan that the media and Joe Biden lied and told you he didn't have. But Operation Warp Speed is going to kick this vaccine out to us. Pardon me for burping on my warm Coke. A coronavirus case surge in the United States and elsewhere which we knew that that was going to happen. We knew the virus was going to come back and it was going to surge in the fall. And uh, didn't we just have the first day of fall? I know the clocks fell back, but whatever. The leaves have changed colors here in the states where we have seasons and fallen off of the trees. So it's fall as far as I'm concerned. And my effing Christmas decorations are up. Uh, with late, with little relief in sight, well, yeah, it's a virus, duh. The world got good news Monday. Pfizer and its partner, the German, German company, BioNTech, it's Bio, capital N, Tech, announced preliminary results that suggested their vaccine was more than 90% effective. Well, that's good. The news, the news, first results from a late stage vaccine trial buoyed stock markets and spirits as the public saw a glimmer of hope, but it's worth nothing that news is still preliminary and there is much more, there is much that is still not known about how well the vaccine works. <laughs> The media can take any good news and turn it into bad news. Probably because Trump's still president. One thing remained clear. The vaccine will not come in time to rescue the world from the next several months. When the virus will take many more lives. So, alright. 
In July, Pfizer and BioNTech initiated a large-scale clinical trial on the Cronus vaccine. Half the people got the vaccine, while the other got a placebo of salt water. The companies waited for the people to get sick to determine if the vaccine offered any protection. So far, 94 out of the nearly 44,000 have gotten sick with COVID-19. So 94 people out of 44,000 got sick. An independent board of experts looked at how many of those people got the vaccine, how many got the placebo. Early analysis suggests the vaccine is over 90% effective. As standard for clinical trials, the data was blind, meaning that no one except the independent board, not the volunteers, doctors, or company's top executives know how many of the 94 people sickened by the virus got the vaccine or placebo. Given the estimate that the vaccine is over 90% effective, however, we can safely assume very few people who were vaccinated got COVID-19. So that's uh, good news out there. Um, the U.S. government has given uh, Pfizer $1.9 billion to put this into production. Of course, this is a this article I was reading was a New York Times article, so that gives you the the shitty shitty reporting and how they've made something good sound bad. But anyway, uh, the Trump lawsuits are going to continue. I don't know if this is going to be enough to put him over the top. Honestly, I feel bad. I feel disappointed more than anger or anything else in that. And, um, you know, Trump went out and worked his ass off for this campaign. Biden did not. Biden, you know, relied heavily on social media. Um... And I, I just don't know if they can overturn this election or if they can drag out the certification process to the point where it has to go to a state delegation in the U.S. House of Representatives where Republicans control 28 out of the 50 state delegations. Um... I guess that would be the the first and hopefully the best result. Um, you know, the Supreme Court could end up deciding some things. Uh, they won't decide the actual outcome of the election. They'll decide how counts go, um, if things should be thrown out, where audits should take place before certification maybe. Um, you know, and I think that the Trump campaign has a lot more evidence than what the news media is letting you know. So I apologize. This isn't the, quite the video I wanted to make because I didn't proofread some of the articles. I just jumped right in, but, um, 
So far, Trump has lawsuits going in five swing states. Michigan, PA, Nevada, Georgia, um, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Georgia, and somewhere else. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, I already mentioned it to you. So, with that, um, just keep America in your prayers, guys. I, I, I really, you know, I say that, I've said to myself in trying to calm myself down, that we, we I lived through eight years of Obama. I can live through a couple years of President Biden, and then a couple more years of President Harris. Uh... But I don't know if America can live through it. Uh, I think there's just so much radicalism behind Joe Biden. And he might even be a, a decent guy. I've never cared for him as a person. It's a proven fact that he's prejudiced, racist. Um... And Harris, I feel sorry for these uh, young, not really young, middle-aged, or young. Uh, I see a lot of my friends that uh, are female, single moms, and they have um, biracial children. And they're saying what an inspiration Kamala Harris is. And I'm like, do they even realize how many black people she kept in prison uh, for cheap labor, for um, small crimes like smoking marijuana, uh, which shouldn't even be a crime, in my opinion. Um, how many, you know, she kept in jail, put in jail, when there was DNA evidence? At least, Well, there was at least one that she kept in jail when there was DNA evidence, and she ignored court orders and uh, requests from uh, other people to, you know, review this DNA evidence because, you know, she thinks to be a strong woman, you have to be stubborn to the point of uh, almost ignorance and refusing to, to look and say, hey, I was wrong. And that's not how it works. So, you know, I hope the people that are being all rah-rah for this just because, oh, Donald Trump showed mean things on Twitter. Well, he's about to be saying mean things on Parlor. Uh, but, anyways. Just my thoughts and feelings. Uh, I think I could have done a better episode than this, but I'll post it anyways. Um, damn it. Why does this stupid YouTube shit keep jumping around on me? So, um... As always, this has been Panic Attack with Big John. Remember to pray for one another. And uh, as always, God bless you and have a wonderful, wonderful day.
so let's talk something other than politics for a minute or a change or something or other. Something or rudder. Thingamarudder? Witchamajigger? Teeny bopper? So in the WWF, my other favorite thing, I haven't watched for a few weeks, but uh, they had their um, most recent pay-per-view, or I don't even know if you can call them pay-per-views anymore, because you're not paying per view. You're watching it on the WWE Network. Uh, latest wrestling spatial is what I like to call him. Hell in a Cell went on a couple weeks ago. And it was a good show. I mean, I was disappointed in some of the ways they took storylines. But uh, the two best matches of the night uh, were Sasha Banks versus Bailey inside Hell in a Cell. Uh, these two women just poured, put it all out there, put it all on the line, put their bodies on the line, and told a great story in that match. You know, and people are like, oh, you're stupid because you like wrestling. I know the winner of the match is determined beforehand. Anyone above 10 or 10 years old should know that. But it's how the wrestlers in the ring get you from point A to point B. Every movie you've ever watched has a predetermined storyline. You know at the end of that movie... The good guy or good girl or the, the good is going to win over the bad, right? Now, wrestling, it's a little different because, you know, sometimes the bad guy wins and keeps on winning for a long time. Uh, I think the most clear-cut uh, version of this you could see is if you were a, a, a fan of uh, the NWA or Georgia Championship Wrestling, or uh, well, we'll just say NWA, in the 1980s, Ric Flair uh, had multiple world title runs, uh, but was basically, it seemed to me, as if he was always the world champion. And he, of course, was the bad guy. But he had some. He had his fans too. Um, and then, if you were like a a Northeast wrestling fan, you know Hulk Hogan was champion for like seven years in the nineteen eighties, and they just kept throwing at him these giants, and he was the comic book hero that had to overcome the giants and that finally wore itself out in the early 90s you know because those of us that were kids in 1983 84 85 uh up through you know wrestlemania 3 when he beat andre the the giant 
we we grew up and we outgrew it. Now, I always continued to watch wrestling, even though it got it got pretty bad there for a time uh, in the mid '90s, where it was just boring because the WWE was trying to continue this cartoon character stuff. And they had some really good wrestlers come through there. But instead of being like Cowboy Bill Irwin, he suddenly started walking out to the ring in uh, hockey gear. And he was the goon. You know, Ted DiBiase, who was a great wrestler in WWF. But prior to that, he was just Ted DiBiase, the great wrestler in Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And when Mid-Atlantic finally collapsed, he went to WWE, WWF then, and became the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase. But he should have been, could have been a world champion. But he wasn't, like, a giant of a guy. He wasn't a steroid addict, in other words. And so they kept him like in the mid card. Looking back, you know, I I didn't really like his character then because I was a kid. But he had some of the best wrestling matches, some of the best uh, interviews or promos as they're known now, uh, and did some of the best character work uh, in wrestling as that Million Dollar Man character. So that was like a success story. But let's get back to this current situation. Um, a wrestler has been out of the scene for a while. And she was one of my favorites. Even though she wasn't you know, the greatest worker. Uh, she just seemed like a cool person. Was uh, you know, on and off wrestling camera. Uh, Carmella. And she had... Her original gimmick was the Queen of Stanton Island. And she was kind of, however, came out with, you know, her hat on backwards, doing the moonwalk. She was a great talker until they scripted her promos. Then it sucked. But she was, you know, a good, good character. Beautiful woman. Yeah, I always noticed that. Then she went off TV for a while to... Because her, her gimmick was getting old. And I don't know how somebody so hot ended up with a scumbag like Corey Graves. But the hotties always go for the bad boys, I guess. Even in adulthood. But whatever. Uh, so she is with scumbag Corey Graves. She's come back now as a new character where she's um, not in, you know... Uh, tennis shoes and doing the moonwalk and she's kind of a badass so hopefully this goes well it looks like they're setting up an angle or a feud or a series of matches between her and Sasha Banks and Sasha Banks can make anyone look like a star in the ring and I'm hope, hoping this does not go the terrible way that the Emmalina push went, where a great worker, Emma, went off 
screen for a while. And she was going to come back as this cocky heel badass. But that's just not her her way. I mean, she she's doing that now in other companies, but it had to. She has to do it her way, not the WWE way. But Carmella's taken the WWE way, and it looks like she's going to turn it up to eleven and make this gimmick work to where she can have a few years of being this, you know, cocky, snotty character that they're making her out to be. Maybe kind of like a female Ric Flair, but his Ric Flair's daughter uh, already has that that character nailed down. But, you know, Carmella came out, she super kicked Sasha Banks, and then she gave Sasha Banks what's called the X-Factor, because it was X-Pac's finishing move, and he called it the X-Factor. Maybe she'll name it something else, like the Untouchable Factor, or the Untouchable something. But she basically jumped in the air, did a split, and slammed uh, Sasha Banks' head off the entrance ramp. And Sasha Banks sold it like she was dead. So that's going to be a real interesting angle to follow. And hopefully WWE doesn't do one of these things like they've done with these other two guys I'm about to talk about. Uh, Otis and Big E. Where they start to get this big push and you start to get behind them and you're like, yeah, alright, this is going to be cool. And then they just pull the rug out from under it and they go back to being mid-card jobbers. So with that, you know, at uh, WWE's usually awesome pay-per-view, and it was really cool this year, uh, they had to work work around the COVID problem. So what they did was they, first everyone had to make it to the roof of the Titan Tower, WWE headquarters. And then once they got to the roof of Titan Tower, Excuse me. There was a wrestling ring up there, and the Money in the Bank briefcase was hanging over the ring. Uh, on the men's side, it fell into the hands of Otis. And it was odd that Otis was put into this match. And it's still odd that he's a singles wrestler when him and his friend uh, Tucker. Heavy Machinery were such a great tag team. But this just goes to show that Vince McMahon doesn't like tag team wrestling. And that's terrible because one of my favorite things as a kid was always tag team wrestling. There's so much story that can be told in a tag team match that can't happen in a singles match. And <clears throat> tag team wrestling was just a big thing in like the 1980s and up to the early 90s. You know, you had like the Road Warriors who for their first two years were undefeated and just beat up everybody. And then suddenly they ran into um, people like Arn and Tolly Blanchard who could... Uh, outthink out them a little bit and could use dirty tactics while the ref wasn't looking. 
uh, and the Midnight Express, who Jim Cornette could uh, do things, and you had you know fights with Cornette and Paul Ellering, the Road Warriors manager, outside the ring, and you had you know Jim Cornette and his loaded tennis racket smashing the Road Warriors with it. He said he broke, he bent or broke more tennis rackets over uh, Road Warrior animals back that he should have held them because he could have sold them for souvenirs and he'd be he'd be rich right now. Well, he is rich right now because he Jim Cornette, for as much of a political douchebag and overzealous wrestling critique as he is, uh, is overwhelmed with people wanting to buy his stash of wrestling memorabilia and old matches. The guy saved wrestling history out of a trash can. Because as uh, some of these territories were going out of business uh, in the 80s and 90s, he like would go to their offices and grab up like film, like not videotape. Well, some of them were videotapes, but some of them were actually like film, like reels of film. And he transferred those to video. And now he's transferred those videotapes to DVDs. And he's, he's selling this stuff like hotcakes. He's written multiple books on wrestling history. But anyways, back to Otis. Otis got the Money in the Bank briefcase, right? And it was rumored that he was going to cash it in for he and Otis, or he and Tucker to get a world tag team title push, which would have been genius. He was also in one of the best storylines in wrestling, uh... And I didn't really like this, but they made it out to be Beauty and the Beast, uh, where he was the Beast, and uh, this gorgeous lady, Mandy Rose. Uh, I think her real name's Mandy Sachs or Amanda Sachs. But anyways, Mandy Rose and Otis were going to be a couple because she thought he was kind of cute. So you know, a whole thing played out there, and then they moved Mandy Rose off to the Raw brand of WWE, and kept Otis on SmackDown. Why you break up your one of your hottest storylines like that boggles my mind. People were watching these, these crazy Otis and Mandy uh, video vignettes where she was at laying poolside just looking like Mandy Rose can only look. And Otis, you know, big heavy set guy, was, you know, being cute or trying to be sexy. And then it turns out it was all fantasy in her head. Where you you would think you would think it would be the opposite. It would be, you know, him fantasizing about how gorgeous she is. And it was actually her fantasizing about how gorgeous Otis is, which was really cool. And they just stopped. WD is, oh, okay. Fans like this, that's enough. It's like WWE has turned into Vince McMahon trying to entertain Vince McMahon instead of the way it was when I was a kid and it was Vince trying to entertain me. You know? And they have so much more to go on now with internet clicks and on top of ratings, which the ratings are bad for WWE right now. But Vince is like 
doing what Vince likes, and he's got uh, Bruce Pritchard, and they're doing things like 1990s when their business and their ratings sucked. So now you also have Otis losing his Money in the Bank briefcase to uh, The Miz, Mike Mazanin, who I like The Miz. I, I like him as a person. Uh, I've heard good things about him. He he grew up not far from me. Uh, and, and, you know, nothing taken away from him. He deserves to be a top star. But so did Otis. Well, Otis is a big heavy set guy, like I said. He used to wrestle in a, a singlet to kind of hide his obesity a, li a little. And then they put him in trunks to kind of make make his weight even more obvious. Well, Vince doesn't like that. Vince likes big roid head bodybuilder type guys. And so now you see Otis losing his main event push and being brought back down to a mid card. Why? The fans were into it. It was a hot storyline. You could have had him, Tucker, and Mandy Rose as a team. And her in their corner as kind of uh, their valet. I won't say manager. But, you know, escorting them to the ring. Uh, you know, cheering for her man. Otis, you know, saving the day when Mandy was in trouble. Uh... You know, Mandy getting into trouble and them losing a match because Otis was saving Mandy. And all these storylines you could have had out of that. No, let's just move Tucker over here and make him a jerk. And he cheated Otis out of the Money in the Bank briefcase by smashing him in the head with it. So that the Miz could get the pen. And we'll just go back to, you know, business as usual. What the frick? You know, they did the same thing almost to uh, a tag team called the War Machine. They couldn't call them the War Machine anymore on uh, the USA Network and Fox because that's not politically correct. So they, they I, I don't even know what their gimmick name is now. I think the Viking Experience or the Viking Raiders or something. But they were, there will always be war machine to me. And they were big guys that were very athletic. And they destroyed everybody in NXT. Uh, and same thing with uh, Otis and Tucker Heavy Machinery. They destroyed people in NXT. They were an over tag team. They were destroying people on Raw and SmackDown. Could have had some great tag team feuds out of that. And, you know, as far as Otis's body type goes, uh, one of the most over wrestlers in history from his real peak, I always thought he was an 80s wrestler, but now that um, I know more and I've seen more, Dusty Rhodes had his real prime was in the 1970s. He had great matches with like people like Bruno San Martino. Uh, he had a a three-match feud with superstar Billy Graham that ended in a bull rope match in Madison Square Garden. 
uh, and he was really at his best in the 70s in Florida championship wrestling. And I can't even go into the whole history of Florida championship wrestling right now, but you can look it up. Uh, but Dusty had never had a great body, but he was athletic. And Otis really reminded me a lot of Dusty Rhodes. He didn't have a great body, physique, though there's muscle and strength underneath that uh, body. And, you know, Otis can move in the ring. He can have a good match. Uh, he can do the, whatever they call it, the caterpillar or the worm or the dolphin, whatever that move. It was a an 80s breakdance move. But anyways, you know, Otis just reminded me a lot of Dusty Rhodes with the charisma and stuff. And Dusty never had a great body. You know, but he could he could wrestle, he could talk, and Otis was a lot like that, in his own Otis way. And then WWE just said, "Yeah, okay, good enough. Now we're gonna push some guy that's on roids and uh, screw you." Now another guy that fits all of Vince McMahon's criterias is Big E. He was. For a while, he was Big E Langston. Then he was just Big E. Or now he's just Big E. And he was uh, part of New Day. Great, great faction. I think they should have kept them together. I think they should have stayed together forever. They should never turn... They never did turn these guys heel on each other. Okay? Uh, although I, I unfortunately see that coming. But right now... You know, New Day was one of the biggest things in wrestling. They had not played themselves into boredom because they were such creative people that they could keep their gimmick fresh. And when you thought it was getting boring, they could change it up or just do something silly that made you go, oh my gosh, I love the New Day. And Big E was set for a, a singles push, a world title push. And in recent weeks since uh, they put Xavier Woods and Kofi on Raw, Big E's title pushes kind of hit a pause on SmackDown. And I'm not even sure who the SmackDown World Champion is right now. So why wouldn't you be working this great athletic strapping, I mean, I Great body, great charisma, great character person, Big E, into uh, the world title scene on SmackDown. Uh, he He's popular. He's charismatic. Uh, they started to do this little thing where, well, Big E, you got to take yourself more seriously. Big E, you got to get more serious. You got to stop being silly. You're not with the New Day anymore. You, I think it may have been Miz that was telling him this. On uh, They brought back the show Talking Smack. Uh, nothing against the new host of Talking Smack. She's a good person. Uh, gorgeous lady. Uh, but she's no Renee Young. Uh, but Talking Smack got taken away because for some reason it was just too popular. 
on the WWE Network for WWE's liking. What? Something's too popular and too over so you cancel it? I, I don't know. So, uh, but Big E was out there being funny and, you know, he had his feet up on the desk on uh, Talking Smack. And, you know, now they're just, yeah, we're going to hem-haw around and padiddle around with this and see goes where it. It's stupid. You know, you got these people that can portray these great characters uh, and can entertain fans. And because it's not entertaining to Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard, we table their gimmick, table their push. Really stupid. Uh, looking forward, though, I am looking forward to uh, this year's um, Survivor Series. I wish it was the old way where it was like an entire night of the Survivor Series matches. Where, you know, when you get pinned, you're eliminated and you go back to your locker room. Um, but I think there will only be like one or two Survivor Series matches. There will be uh, SmackDown women versus Raw women. And Raw men versus Raw men's matches. But the whole night is going to be champion versus champion. And hopefully this includes the tag team champions. Uh, but, you know, you've got... Oscar, the uh, Raw Women's Champion, versus Sasha Banks. OMG. That has potential to be a classic. That'll be a Matt classic. That match should get 20 to 30 minutes on this show because these women can put it all on the line and are two of the best entertainers. Two of the best wrestlers in wrestling ever. I shit you not. And then you got, um, you know, you'll have, uh, who's Raw champion right now? Randy Orton versus whoever the SmackDown champion is. Uh, we'll have the Street Profits. I think they're still Raw tag team champions. Versus, whoever. see, this is how bad WWE is. You know, I haven't been watching for about a month because I've been too busy uh, working and with election stuff. But, it, you know, I don't even know who the champions are. But you have the Intercontinental Champion versus the United States Heavyweight Champion. So, you got all your best wrestlers going against your best wrestlers from both brands. And hopefully you get an NXT person people's thrown in there somewhere um i don't know i mean you could have triple threat matches with like the nxt women's champion versus the raw and smackdown women's champions and also the uh nxt world heavyweight champion versus the uh you know raw and smackdown world champions uh, so, you know, you could have a lot of different things going on there. I think there'll probably be an NXT TakeOver or an NXT Special of some kind that weekend since they're not really going to be involved in the, uh, in the Survivor Series as much. So, I don't know. Anyways, we'll see. 
I'm look. Oh, the duh. The whole reason I got on to Survivor Series, it's the 30th anniversary of the <coughs> Undertaker, and they're gonna have a special tribute to the Undertaker. Uh, and I hope they let it be a special tribute, not some derelict angle. If they're gonna put an angle into this, it needs to be an angle that builds towards Undertaker's final match at uh, WrestleMania. Not like Vince McMahon just coming out and being an ass or something. Because we all know in real life, Vince and Undertaker are great friends. And then after... Um, 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 uh, uh, um, after I get my words straightened out, unlike our president-elect Joe Biden, um, after Survivor Series... There's a special, I hope it's live, because that would make it even more entertaining, but a special Stone Cold Broken Skull podcast with uh, The Undertaker. And they've done a podcast before, but uh, this one will probably be even more special and even better because it's The Undertaker wrapping up his career. So, a little emotional thing about that, man. 30 years ago... I sat in my uh, dining room, which wasn't really a dining room. It was my video game and wrestling room with my friend Aaron wondering who Ted DiBiase's mystery partner was going to be. And it ended up being this new character called The Undertaker. And it was really, really neat uh, to see this big guy come out. And his first manager in WWE, in case you're ever in a trivia contest, was, um, oh, who was that guy? Brother Love, who was a, at the time there were a lot of uh, scandalous televangelists, television preachers, and Brother Love was a, a mockery of the scandalous TV preacher. And uh, that was Undertaker's first manager. And then later, Paul Bearer came along. Uh, and man, it, it was just... For 30 years, man, The Undertaker's been the most popular, most over character in wrestling. And he was the first one to really put Hulk Hogan uh, to bed. And you thought he was really going to destroy Hulkamania. And uh, he was a world champion real soon. And man, wow. And even before that, Taker wrestled a few years in other companies. So he's really been in wrestling for like 35 years. Um, he started out as Texas Red in World Class Championship Wrestling. And then he was in uh, WCW as... Uh, Mean Mark Callis. Uh, and man, the first time he got up on that top rope, and here's this six foot nine guy on, standing on top of these ropes that are four feet high. So his, the top of his head is 10 feet in the air. And he took a couple steps off the top rope at that Survivor Series. Not many people picked up on this. But I noticed it the other day. He started to walk the top rope that night. He'd done it before in WCW. 
but that was the first time that you saw somebody that big walk the top rope. And he only took a couple steps out because the ring ropes were a lot looser back then. They weren't uh, built, they weren't uh, tied as tightly for the high flyer guys as they are now. Not as many wrestlers use the top rope. But yeah, 300 pound, 6 foot 10 guy walking the top rope at Survivor Series 1991. Um, amazing. So, alright guys. God bless you. Peace out. I want to talk something about politics for a little bit. So, thanks for enjoying another panic attack and warm bottle of Coke with Big John. No, no, you can't play with that. I'm tired of picking up empty pop bottles. Put that in my little garbage bag here. So, God bless you. Pray for America. Pray for Donald Trump. Four more years. I had to get something political in there. And, uh, oh man, rest in peace, Alex Trebek. I haven't said that on a podcast yet. The, the longtime host of Jeopardy, Alex Trebek, passed away yesterday. That's pretty sad. But he's at peace now. So, thank y'all. Goodbye. God bless. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Easter. Happy Thanksgiving.